Well, good morning, everybody. I'd like you just to turn to the person next to you, or in front of you, or behind you, and just share with them one thing that you're praising God about this morning. Go. Okay, if I could just, uh, just call you back uh, just for a moment, please. So, um, just so you don't wander off into thinking that this is time now that I can talk about something else. So, it's just really great to be here this morning and to be able to praise God. And one of the things that the Lord has been impressing on my heart just this week is this question. Are we living in poverty or are we living in praise? I don't want you to give up Milford Baptist Church. I do not want you to give up praising God even when the time gets difficult. I want you to hear that from me this morning because we have been called to worship God. The Westminster Confession, that is our primary function to worship God. So are we living in praise or in poverty? And over these last few weeks, we've been looking at the story of Nehemiah and we've been looking at where he's come from where he has now arrived in Jerusalem and he is rebuilding the city. But he is a man of prayer and he is a man of the people. Nehemiah, I'm going to explain to you this morning, has a problem. Well, he doesn't have one problem, he has lots of problems, we'll see. But he also has a solution. He also is an example. And I want to share with you... um, Something that someone asked me a question of this week, and that was, how do I get through the valleys, Ian? How do I get through the valleys? And then I want to share with you just a simple thought of an experience that I had last Sunday night at 6.30. And those of you who have been to the Friendship Club will know exactly what I'm going to say, but please keep quiet. I want to be a surprise for everybody else. But let's just have a look for a moment at Nehemiah. We are finding him in Nehemiah 5. We're not looking at Sanballat complaining all the plots. We're not looking at the fact that he's arrived with all the letters. We're not looking about the fact that he went through, in chapter 1, this whole idea of going through tears and the whole idea of being drawn to Jerusalem to rebuild the city wall. But he was there to recover the worship of the temple, but more importantly, to get people back to God and connected with themselves and God and the community. And so the problems. What were the problems in chapter 5 and verses 1 to 5? Well, we are meeting people who are grumbling because just outside the city walls, there was a famine going on. And so they had no land, and so they were complaining to um, Nehemiah and just saying, look, We want to feed the people who have arrived to help you build the walls. There was another group, who in actual fact, they were paying higher taxes to a a Persian king. And there's nothing worse than finding out that when you pay taxes that you get nothing back. So in other words, 
the kings were getting wealthier and wealthier and wealthier. And then there was another group who, because of inflation and rising taxes, they were getting into more debt and having to sell their homes. And then there was another group. There were these wealthy Jews within the Jewish faith and the people coming to Jerusalem and practicing their faith. There were these people who were actually selling children. They were putting them into slavery. And some of you might be saying, but Ian, when you're looking back at Nehemiah, what's going on in our world today? People are borrowing money. People are mortgaging. There are arguments about land ownership. And there's slavery. What does Nehemiah do? That's the question. What does Nehemiah do? Well, he reminds the Jewish people of uh, some words. He says, do not charge your brother interest, whether on money or food or anything else that may earn interest. You may charge a foreign interest, but not a brother Israelite, so that the Lord your God may bless you in everything that you put your hand to in the Lord that you are entering to possess. Remember, the Jewish people had come back to Jerusalem, but God wants to bless his people. He wants to bless them to what they put their hand to. But there was a problem. In the old Mosaic law, they realised that when they had sinned, they had to repent and come back to God. And they had to say that they were sorry. And they did that by bringing a goat. But they always brought an individual sacrifice. An individual sacrifice for themselves to that place. And you say, but Ian, just a minute, in Christianity today, we do not live under the old Mosaic law. And you're absolutely right. For those of you who've got your Bibles, you could turn to Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, where it says, No, in all these things you are more than conquerors. Sorry, that's 37, I apologise. 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also... Uh, along with him, graciously give to us all things. So it is for us today that we have come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. But the problems that were facing Nehemiah were huge on a national level. And we don't talk about the walls today or things that were going on, but we're hearing these cries and today in society, we are hearing those cries, are we not? Where there are, are people who are abused. Even as I speak today, Pope Francis is concluding a meeting in the Catholic Church. I just want to put it to you this morning. Is he a modern Nehemiah? He has called the assembly for the last three or four days not looking into child abuse within the Catholic Church. And he's dared to put his head above the parapet and he wanted to have a discussion. But as someone said this morning on the radio, they said there's only one way that we can get out of this situation. We need to preach the gospel. We need to pray for people to come to Christ in repentance and forgiveness and restoration and for healing. So what was the solution that Nehemiah brought about in verses 6 to 13? Well, he called this na a huge national assembly. He was a governor. 
And what he said was that what's going on here is not right. He also said, I want you to fear God, but I also want you to stop. I want you to stop doing what you have done. After, if you have a look at uh, Leviticus, I don't know if you've got a Bible in front of you, but it says in Leviticus that we have been a called out people to be set apart, to be holy in this world. It says in Leviticus chapter 12 and verse 44, it says, I am the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt to your God and therefore be holy because I am holy. We can come to God through prayer and through repentance and this is what we must do. We must live our lives before God. But you know what? In community, which is great having Christian friends and family, but I want to share with you something about this, is that we cannot be isolated hermits. We cannot be isolated hermits. We need to hear each other. We need to love one another. We need to forgive one another. In front of you is standing a minister who's made mistakes. I'm glad I've made mistakes because sometimes I can learn from them. And it's hard. And I want to share with you that the example of Nehemiah, the example of Nehemiah, he devoted himself to the work that God had called him to do. He looked at the poverty. He looked at the people. He loved the people. And he says in verse uh, 16 that he wholeheartedly set his mind to helping them. He says, I devoted myself to the work. And he also prayed, remember me with favour, O God, for all I have done for these people. So we've looked at the problems that Nehemiah faced. We've looked at the solution. And now for the example. Jesus saw our poverty He has a plan for your life and for me to bring us back to God. He loves us with an eternal love, with outstretched arms. And he went to the cross. He gave his his son so that we might believe today. So that we can praise God for all he has done in and through the work of his work he did on the cross for us. So, now for this question that someone asked me this week. They said, Ian, how do you get through a valley? How do you get through a valley? If you have uh, the Psalms in front of you, your Bible, I'd like you please to turn to Psalm 23. And Jesus has asked us to carry up our cross daily and to trust him for today and for tomorrow. We can worry about tomorrow, but do you know what? All the worries are not going to change what's going to happen because even I don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. But if there's one thing that I do know, it is this, that we can trust in the Lord. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret 
when men succeed in their ways and when they carry out their wicked schemes. We have a God who hears every single prayer. And if you like, this is, could be a cycle for us in our daily devotions, maybe this week, maybe in weeks and months to come, I don't know. But trust, delight, commit, because he will do immeasurably more than we can ever imagine. And to be still before God. Each and every one of us needs to follow him. How do we get through the valleys? We have to trust in God. I trust in God. My question for you this morning is this. Are you trusting in God fully? Are you able to praise God no matter what happens to us? Are you able to praise God? Because I'm just so thankful for Lynn for putting this service together and just the words that are coming through again and again to trust him, to trust him and to trust him. Finally, from me this morning, as many of you know, last week, uh, Diane and I were away in Scotland. As Brian said to me, Bonnie Scotland. I can't work out how Bonnie Scotland is, Brian, but there you go. But we spent some time with our grandchildren. And I just wanted to share an experience with you. And it's quite an ordinary one, really. Um, I had some tilly time. And I have my granddaughter. She's five months old. And so at 6.30, after a feed, she was going... <laughs> and then she got a bit restless, so she got passed round the room. And ultimately, she came to me. So there I am, trying to sort of rock Tilly. And then I was trying to sort of rock her in my arms. And as I rocked her from side to side, she slowly went to sleep. And about 6.30, thereabouts, I just had a moment. Maybe it doesn't happen to you, but it happens to me from time to time. And that is, as I had Tilly in my arms, that little precious life. We're all carrying on talking, by the way. We were talking about all sorts of things, but Tilly was just sitting there and laying in my arms, resting. And I said to Diane, I said, has Tilly gone to sleep yet? Yep. Oh. We're resting in the arms of God. Are you resting in the arms of God? Because I'm like this, as a grandfather, I can do this. So I said, no, she's not sleeping, is she? So I got a little arm, and it went like this. It went, whoop, and it fell down. But she was trusting in me. Someone had passed her on to me. They'd committed Tilly into my hands. I want to say to you this morning, Milford Baptist Church, the everlasting arms are around you and me and all of us, but we need to go on trusting. I had the great delight of putting her to bed about 7, 7.30 after I couldn't get her out of my arms you know, about the time I got so carried away with it. So as I lay her into her cot at night with her dad, I just blessed her. But I just thought for a moment, the trust, the commitment, the delight I had in coming down those stairs and going, yes, I've put Tilly to bed. Last night, well, none of you could do that, could you? But, you know, there was a moment where I just had that moment of saying, Lord, you know what? Like Tilly, for every single day of her life, of my life, we are to trust. 
we're to commit, we're to be still, but more importantly, we need to move on with God as he leads and directs us by his Holy Spirit and through his word. Amen. Amen. So we're going to go on to sing and praise the Lord this morning by singing as we come to uh, the communion table. Behold the Lamb.